Okay, good evening everybody. Interesting evening tonight, that is for sure. And we're actually going to be on lesson number two this evening. Lesson number two in our study on Peter, the education of a disciple, as is the, the title of our study here. And it's a lesson on obedience. And this is actually, a um, again, kind of just following the kind of the progression kind of throughout in Peter's life and ministry here. Last week, it was a lesson on the beginnings and of Peter's decision to follow that call of Christ, you know, that Christ issued to him, now follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Peter did. He stepped out in obedience to that. And so this is now a lesson on obedience. Um, it's actually a um, familiar text. I'm sure everybody's familiar with it. Um, but some pretty um, pretty good thoughts, pretty um, interesting things to think about in this. So. We'll actually go ahead and jump in right there. It's, uh, yeah, it's on your sheet there. So Luke 5, um, 1 through 9. We'll go ahead and uh, start reading that as we we'll go around the room and read those. Um, so Luke 5, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a job. And Simon answered unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, so that they should come and help them. And they came, and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of fishes which they had taken. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we do thank you for this evening, and just the opportunity that we have to, to be in your house and to be able to listen and hear this this lesson here and it's a it was a challenge to me in uh, preparing it for this evening and I trust that it'll be a challenge to um, those hearing and uh, do pray for those who are not able to be here for various reasons tonight kind of a, uh, lighter crowd than usual Lord but that you just uh, work in the lives of, uh, of all of us and just help us to uh, desire and strive for obedience and um, that you will bless for that. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the most foundational building blocks in the life of a growing Christian is obedience. Specifically, obedience that is built on trust in God. 
in this lesson, we'll see that Pe we'll see Peter beginning to learn that the wonderful things that the Lord could do for and through him in response to simple obedience. So some goals um, to think about. This first one, uh, you could spend and park here all night if we really wanted to. Number one is understand the Lord's directions do not need to make sense to us. Number two is to realize the Lord always knows exactly what he's doing. And then number three, to choose to trust and obey the word of God. So let's jump right in here to, to, the, to our lesson. The last time we visited the Lord's School of Discipleship, Peter passed a monumental test to respond to the call of Christ. But that was just the first lesson in his education in discipleship. Now he will learn the necessity of obedience. One of the great principles in Scripture is the requirement of obedience to God. In fact, the whole book of Deuteronomy is themed around blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. Because God created and redeemed us, he's entitled to our obedience. As Christians, we should constantly be growing in the knowledge of our Savior. Benjamin Franklin said, tell me, and I forget, teach me, and I may remember, involve me, and I learn. In essence, involvement is how we learn. And in the Christian's life, no involvement with Christ is acceptable apart from obedience. Therefore, obedience is an essential part to learning. John 10 27. I think you're the next one, babe. I think it's you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. In the hymn, Trust and Obey, by John H. Samus, we sing the well-known lyrics, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. God will do wonderful things for and through people who are willing to simply obey him. So our first point tonight is the something. Starts with a C. The call. The command. Think of our passage. How do we start? They had some issues, didn't they? So the... I could say you add an R, and this becomes a car. That rhymed. <laughs> Made by Dodge. Challenge. Challenge. The challenge. That is correct. The challenge. Peter had returned here again, thinking of our, our main passage. Peter had returned after a fruitless night of fishing. He was exhausted, frustrated, discouraged. As he sat on the shore cleaning his nets, the Lord com commandeered his vacated ship as a temporary pulpit. And afterward, Christ issued a command Peter thought made no sense. Subpoint A. Get us here. We are to something out into the deep. Starts with an L. Launch. Launch out into the deep. Jesus told Peter to go back out 
into the deep and let down the nets. This would take time and effort. And as Peter pointed out, he'd been fishing all night without catching anything. He had no desire to travel to the deep waters again. But as all fishermen knew, that's where the big fish were. The Lord could have directed Peter to throw out his nets on the shore, from the shore. No, he certainly could have had them swim into shallow water if he so chose. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah 32, 17. Christ, however, wanted to teach Peter a lesson in obedience. Although he, we may not understand why the Lord directs as he does, we can trust that he has good reasons for everything. As Christians, we can rest knowing that no matter where God tells us to go or how deep the waters are, he will be right there, he will be right out there with us. Hebrews 13:5. When he kept said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. What blessings and wondrous works of the Lord are we missing out on because of our reluctance to leave our comfort zones and launch out into the deep for God? Subpoint B also starts with an L. Something down the nets. Let. Let down the nets. When God works in our life, it's always greater than we can imagine. Christ commanded Peter to let down not just one, but he said plural, right? Nets. Nets. But several nets for a draught of fish. Now the word draught in the Greek means like a catching or a haul of fish. Now Jesus was literally promising Peter that if he would let down his nets again, he would pull them up full of fish. The same God that worked miracles in Peter's life wants to do great things in our world today. The famous missionary William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. You often sometimes hear that in reverse too. Attempt, like attempt great things for God, expect great things from God. The God of Peter and William Carey wants to work in our lives today. Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. It would be a wonderful thing if we would let down multiple nets for ministry and for souls and trust God to use us like Peter as fishers of men. Jeremiah 33.3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God has given all of us gifts to use for his glory and for the good of others. If you don't know what your gift is, ask God to show you. And then faithfully accept the opportunities that he gives you to use it. Think of our, uh, back in our previous study, remember? You ask God for opportunities to serve, he generally will give them to you. Remember, uh, size 7, black with the tassels on them. Remember that with the size 7 shoes? The, uh, the guy in the hospital, with his wife in the hospital, and he asked him, is there anything I can do for you? Yeah. 
that one. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Now there are diversities of gifts for the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh them. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirit, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally of, as he will. A young lady returned from college for the summer, burdened to get a nursing home ministry started in her local area. She contacted a nearby center and got permission to hold monthly church services. Only then did she say, Dad, we need a preacher. He wasn't officially a preacher, just a faithful layman, but he wanted to serve God any way he could and accepted the opportunity. Twelve years later, the ministry continues and he's still doing the preaching. The gifts and talents God has given us may seem insignificant at first, but all Christ needs to do a great work is a believer willing to use what he's been given. Peter didn't know it, but God was about to perform a miracle in his life. Like so many of us, however, he had a few objections before he decided to obey. That brings us to point two. The also starts with a C. Not the change. The call. Conflict. Yep. The conflict. So we've moved from a uh, Pictionary to gestures now. <laughs> the conflict. Just as with Peter, our problem isn't understanding that we ought to obey Christ. We see, we see the Lord's right to our obedience woven throughout Scripture. Romans 6, 13. Neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. James 4, 7. Submit yourself therefore to God, and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When it comes to obedience, the problem is not God's commands, but our slowness to trust and obey. Our flesh will always rebel and seek to follow its own way. The Apostle Paul thoroughly understood this conflict when he detailed his own personal struggle. And this is Romans 7, 14-23. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I, which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Then if I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now that there is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelt in for, for I know that in me, that is my flesh, dwells no good thing, for the will is present with me, but out of the form that which is good, I do not. 
For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find delight in the law of God after the inward man. I find that then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Paul, like many of us, had a strong desire to serve Christ, but his flesh constantly battled the new man inside him. That brings us to sub-point A is something his own way. It starts with a T. And see if the. You do see it in the text. You do see it in the text in the beginning. It's actually verse 5. Verse 5. There's the T. Look at the. Find it on the front. Uh, what was that, John? Toil. That's correct. Toiling his own way. When Jesus promised a great catch of fish, Peter was skeptical. He wasn't an amateur fisherman. He knew the waters and his trade well. The last thing he wanted to do was go out again. There weren't any fish, and he'd been toiling all night. The word toil, in verse 5, is synonymous with labor, and it implies exhaustion. For a professional fisherman with years of experience to come up completely empty for a full night's work had to be discouraging. You can remember back from our uh, study in the Gospel of John, kind of talked a little bit about fishing and methods and kind of all that worked. It's kind of interesting. We hear the name Adoniram Judson and think of a great missionary. Judson's life, however, was far from easy. In 1813, when he arrived in Burma, there was not one known Christian in that country. For the first six years there, he saw no converts. He was imprisoned under deplorable conditions and experienced the death of his wife and, soon after, his release. But despite overwhelming obstacles, he refused to quit. After his death, a government survey showed Burma's, China, Burma's Christian population to number some 210,000 or approximately 1 in 58 Burmese. Edmund Burke said, Never despair, but if you do, work on in despair. We often face discouragement in our Christian lives and wonder if what we try to do for the Lord really makes a difference. God's word assures us that it does. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We don't need to understand why God is asking us to do something. To Peter, letting down his nets in a spot he had been unsuccessfully fishing in hours before made no sense. He was soon to learn, however, to rely on God's plan and not his own reasoning. Isaiah 55 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are the my so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Peter finished listing his objections. Against his own logic, he finally decided to obey and launch into the deep once again. So sub-point B here. Oh, I guess I never went to that one. Sub-point B is something. Christ's word also starts with T. Trusting. Trusting. Yep. Trusting Christ's word. Most of us can remember a time when we were preparing to obey Christ even though what he was asking us to do made no sense. That's where Peter was as he sailed into the deep and dropped his net for the second time. The first six words of Luke 5, 6 are a beautiful, simple, and profound summary of the disciples' obedience. And when they had this done. And when they had this done. We don't have to figure it out. We just have to do what Jesus tells us to do. Simple and direct instructions are, are used throughout Scripture. And generally, there's not explanation given to them. Mary's directions to the servants at the wedding at Cana were concise. John 2.5. Does that one? Does that one? We could follow no better advice today. Often our problem is that we want to understand before we will obey. We believe we would be happy to do what the Lord tells us if he would just explain it all before we start. But he rarely does that because he wants us to trust him. If we had full understanding, there would be little need of trust. Peter continued learning this lesson throughout his life. Even at the Last Supper, when the Lord prepared to wash Peter's feet, Peter staunchly objected. Jesus had to again remind him to simply obey, even if he didn't understand immediately. John 13, 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. The requirement for immediate obedience can be seen in the military. Those in the service quickly understand the need for instant and unquestioning obedience to superior officers. On the battlefield, in a crisis, there will be no time for discussion. When a soldier is commanded to a post, he is to stay at that post and obey that command until another order is given. In 1974, a Japanese officer named Hiro Onoda was relieved of duty. That would not be unusual, except that he had been hiding in the Philippine jungle since the end of World War II in 1945. He did not believe the news of the Japanese surrender to the Allies and refused to give himself up personally until a superior officer had properly ordered him to do so. The Japanese government located Onoda's commander, now a bookseller, and flew him to the Philippines to give the faithful soldier the formal order. Hiro Onoda was unquestioningly obedient to an imperfect commander. How many of us could say the same of our obedience 
to our perfect Heavenly Father. Peter told, the, Peter told the Lord, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. He was about to experience the powerful results of the blessings of obedience. To Peter's utter amazement, as he began to pull the net up, it was overflowing with fish. In fact, the Bible says the net was so full it broke. What if Peter had refused to obey and gone home instead? While God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, his working is often contingent upon our obedience and cooperation. Ephesians 3, 20-21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God often limits himself to act in response to our faith-filled obedience. There's the verse in Psalms, I think it's Psalm 78, or um, I think it might be Psalm 78, but it's talking about, it's one of those historical psalms talking about the nation of Israel. And it says, they limited God, and it's in the context of their disobedience. They limited what God could do with them, what God wanted to do with them. So yes, you can limit God by dis our disobedience and keeping him from doing what he wants to do with us. When Jesus visited his hometown of Nazareth, for instance, the people scoffed at his teachings. Christ was ready to do a great work there, but he could not because of their doubt. Matthew thirteen fifty-eight. Peter eventually let down his net, but his obedience wasn't immediate or complete. In light of the miracle he had just experienced, Peter began to recognize his doubt and unworthiness, which brings us to point three, our final one this evening, which is the something, starts the C, and commitment. What do we see Peter doing at this point in our passage? Yeah, it starts with a C. These are the first three letters. C-O-N for the first two words. The confession. The confession. Peter's obedience may have been only partial, but once he saw Jesus' miracle, he was moved to repentance. Subpoint A is partial, starts with an O. Obedience, that's correct. Partial obedience is subpoint A. The Lord had implicitly instructed, this is interesting, again, the words in Scripture, individual words are important. The Lord had implicitly instructed Peter to put out more than one net. But Peter's skepticism, he let down only one. Because if you look at our passage back in uh, Luke chapter 5, let me go back to the beginning here, Luke chapter 5, if you look in verse... 4, 
Now when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Plural for a draw. Verse 5, And Simon answered, said, answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Singular. That net grew so full of fish that it broke. Peter needed help, and quickly. Calling for his partners in the other ship, they, together they began to fill both boats with fish until the boats began to sink. Obviously, the men were not prepared for such an abundant catch. Had Peter obeyed completely, he would have had multiple nets to receive this great catch. And a single net would not have broken. Likewise, when we only partially obey, we miss out on what God may have for us. Peter needed to catch fish. It was how he supported his family. Christ knew that and provided. In our life, God can supply all of our needs. He is always able, and we can always trust him. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Therefore, take your thoughts, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Jeremiah 32.27 Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Psalm 50.10-12 For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountain, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine, and the fullness of the earth. God has proven his faithfulness to his people for thousands of years. For forty years he provided manna, and every other need in the wilderness to his people, think Deuteronomy 2 verse 7. He provided the jawbone of a donkey, and with it, Samson slew a thousand Philistines. Judges 15, 15. He provided food and water to his faithful prophet Elijah. Think about that. By a raven express. In 1 Kings 17, 2-6. It sounds like a Chinese restaurant almost, doesn't it? <laughs> he provided... <laughs> he provided deliverance to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's golden image in Daniel 3. So why would we doubt that the same God would come through for us? Why would we hesitate to fully obey him? But thinking of how abundantly Jesus supplied fish to Peter and his partners, consider this. If God would bless us as we desire, how would we react? If God suddenly gave us a lot of money, would we use it wisely? Would we be sure to give God his rightful portion first? If God unexpectedly provided something big, like a house, a car, etc., how would we handle it? 
But a better question might be this. How are we using effectively that which God has already given us? Peter's doubts about the Lord evaporated after the miraculous catch of fish. And its, in its place was humility and guilt as Peter began to grasp who Jesus truly was. Which brings us to subpoint B. Fool also starts with, a feet, with an F. Not faith. Longer word. About that same length. <laughs> this would be Jesus' response to Peter. Full forgiveness. After Peter realized what Christ had done, he fell down at the Lord's feet. Peter was transformed from the skeptical, brash fisherman of a few verses before to a humbled, broken man in painful awareness of his unworthiness. When we see the Lord as he is, we will see ourselves as we are. Let me say that again. When we see the Lord as he is, we will see ourselves as we are. Isaiah 57, 15. I don't remember if you guys said last. So fifty one seventeen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. In the Bible, a prostration of the body often accompanied an abasement of spirit. In Joshua 5.14, Joshua fell to the earth before the Lord of hosts. In Numbers 22.31, when Balaam realized that he was in the presence of the Lord, he fell on his face before him. In 2 Samuel 9.6, Mephibosheth bowed before David in humble gratitude. In Luke 17, 15-16, the one thankful leper, the one in ten, fell on his face before Jesus after being healed. In Revelation 1.17, when John saw Jesus, he fell at his feet as dead. Peter clearly saw his unworthiness at that moment. Thoroughly humbled, he told Christ, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But instead of leaving, the Lord responded in forgiveness. As Peter did, we will all fail in our Christian walk. We won't always obey Christ immediately and instead offer our own objections and reasoning. Sometimes, even as we obey, we'll struggle with doubt over God's plan. But also, like Peter, when we humble ourselves before the Lord in repentance, he forgives us completely. 1 John 1, 8-9 If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. James 4, 10 
Luke 14:11 For whoever exalteth himself shall be amazed but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted Luke 18:9-14 The Pharisees stood and prayed thus with himself God I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners unjust adulterers or even as this publican I fast twice in a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down into his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, but he and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We can thank the Lord that he is indeed the friend of publicans and sinners. God's love is truly unconditional. So in conclusion, do you see yourself, do I see myself, in Peter? Like him, we also hear Christ's commands recorded for us in his written word. And like Peter, we also hesitate or argue because they don't make sense to us. However, like Peter, we too can ultimately obey. We can make things right and experience the blessings of obedience. How many more fish could Peter have caught if he had let down all the nets? In turn, how many times does the Lord want to bless us, but he can't fully because of our incomplete obedience? In the education of a disciple, learning the lesson of obedience is indispensable. As in the day of Peter, Christ is still commanding, directing, and looking for people who will heed his words. Can he depend on us? So that's the conclusion of lesson number two. Next week will be in lesson three, which is a lesson on unbelief. An interesting one. Anything, any thoughts anybody has on the lesson tonight or anything, any other, anything that stood out to you in particular or, hey John? Yeah, just kind of did have the thought of, you wonder how much new blessings we miss uh, just because we don't believe or have faith in all of that's partially Anything else? With kids, you kind of have to get that understanding of you tell them to do something and trust you. know, it's why are they partially doing it? It's like you can't. You want to. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
One thing that stood out to me is that I first opened this up and looked at it. Now, the first lesson goal understand the Lord's direction, do not need to make sense to us. I don't know, it's like that. It's just really applicable to think about each and every one of our lives. Of, uh, how many times I argue with God over stuff about different things. And you know how annoying that is as a parent, you know? <laughs> but how often we do that to God. And how he's got to be the same way in that regard. But anything else? whole thing in the parenting aspect <laughs> it's just come to me a lot that the Lord's just trying to teach me this is like so easy to get frustrated with your children and my patience hasn't been so great like, like Esther you are so much like your kids to God just like how much I'm way more like my kids than I think I am we're all just big kids yeah pretty much You know, you know, the parents like, buddy, just, you know, trust and obey. It's like, God is like, yes, sir, just trust and obey. Mind that, mind that. Abby gave the Canadian version of Jeremiah 32, 17. She said, she said, hey, little gal. <laughs> Anything else? Last, last. But kind of have a lesson to portray like the big things, how we how we just don't want to obey the Lord and the big things. But kind of a story that came to mind was like the Bible and how we look at the little things back and how. Sometimes for me, it's like sometimes it's exciting when the Lord puts on your heart something big because it's like okay, this is. This is great, so we're going to obey the big things for how much he just wants us to obey in the small things, but how much he can do if we just give him the small things. And things that we don't think are important or we argue with him about it because we're like, well, that's not, that's not very significant. I'm not going to give him this because we obey this area because it's not a big deal about how much it really is and how he can just multiply it. Any last thoughts from anybody? Or? Okay, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, again, thank you for now this evening as we're close um, with our lesson this evening, just of thinking with, with Peter of just the lessons, learning there of just obedience, simple obedience, no, just instant and unquestioning of how personally so often I argue with you and try and reason out and we just want to understand why but just think of the lessons it's like in my children in the military just obedience just instant obedience 
and just how often what all we miss out on because we don't do that. And um, just help us to obey you as we should in that. And uh, 